0: i here to ask you one question and one question only. What's your point? What's your
1: point? What's your point? What's your point? So what's your point? What's your point? What's your point?
2: What's your point, huh? What's your point? What's your point? What's your point? This is what's your point. What's your point? What was his point? I have no idea. Dude, I don't get it. I don't get it either. And now, here are your hosts. Dalvin Asorio and Paulie Brzez. Do I have everybody's attention now? On turn on the Jets digital. Welcome to What's Your Point? It's your weekly New York Jets debate show. We like to say it's like PTI, but edgier and only Jets topics. My name is Scott Mason. I will be the moderator for this affair. So let me introduce you to your combatants first. He is so smart. That Mr. Wizard is going to be renamed Mr. Dolbin. He's a senior writer over at TurnOnTheJets.com. Of course, co-host of this show. You can find him on Twitter at DA underscore Asario. Mr. Dolbin Asario. Dolbin, what's going on, man?
3: How's it going, Scott? Happy, uh, happy week, what is this, 11 in the NFL? Happy week 12 in the NFL. Uh, it feels like the never-ending story, if you will, of the Jets heading us looking forward towards the offseason. But I'm glad to be back with you and Pauly recording What's Your Point?
2: Speaking of Paulie, he is such a connoisseur of pasta sauce that Bolognese is being renamed Bruzese after him. He's the co-host of this show as well as a contributor for ESPN Utica. You can find him on Twitter at paulie_bruz. underscore BRUZ. Mr. Polly Bruzese, what's going on, Paulie?
0: Hey, what's going on? Happy to be back. Um, I might have to uh, trademark that Bolognese Bruzese thing and maybe start selling some sauce. But uh, happy to be back. Um. I mean, I guess I'm happy to talk Jets and, and get this uh, this week going, like Delvin said, towards the end of the off, the season and the offseason.
2: Primetime Pauly's bolognese sauce. I see dollar signs. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Everybody's got a price.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and our special guest judge this week He knows wrestling in Memphis like I know the voice of Vern Lundquist. It's true. I have an unhealthy obsession with the big guy. There may be a restraining order involved. I can neither confirm nor deny. He is the co-host of the great show Booking Memphis with the legendary Jerry Jarrett and now has started a brand new podcast with former Memphis Booker Randy Hales as well. You can follow him on Twitter at reedy 16 Mr. Sean Reedy, what's going on, Sean?
1: Hey, thanks for having me. I am known online for the wrestling stuff, but in my other life, I am a tortured Jets fan. Uh, So, thanks for having me on, and can't wait to hear it.
2: Oh, aren't we all tortured Jets fans? In fact, I think that that's the whole point of this show. It's like audio therapy for tortured Jets fans. We have a very clear and distinct rule for this audio therapy. I'm going to go ahead and explain the rules for anybody who's unfamiliar Basically how this works is the format is modified presidential debate. So it's going to be four rounds, and what you'll hear is 60 seconds from combatant one, then 60 seconds of a rebuttal, and then 60 seconds of a rebuttal of the rebuttal. After four rounds, if we are tied, we will head to the overtime period, in which case our judge, Sean this week, will come up with a question of his own. Only he will know it. I won't know it. Pauly won't know it. Dalbin won't know it. And they will do battle on that question to determine the winner. As far as criteria goes and what Sean will be looking for, it's the two S's and the two C's. Style and substance, color and command. So it's not just about who has the correct point. It's about how you make your case and let's be honest, how entertaining you are and how good you are trash talking in the process. That counts for a lot here. On what's your point so with all of that said let's get to topic number one and that is this report came out courtesy of manish med of the daily news and i have to say that because apparently if i don't credit him every single time i mention something that involves one of his reports he goes nuclear and threatens to sue me so manish there you go we're covering ourselves there
1: the report (laughs) the
2: report was that robbie anderson was inquired about by the Philadelphia Eagles and they offered the Jets a fourth round pick right around the trade deadline. The Jets said no. At that time, the Eagles turned their attention to Golden Tate. So the question becomes, Robbie Anderson, who will be a restricted free agent at the end of this season, is he a guy that the Jets should go forward with or should they have traded him to the Philadelphia Eagles for that fourth round pick around the trade deadline? Paulie, we will start with you.
0: Um, you know what as as much as I think that the Jets need more picks going forward, I think hanging on to robbie anderson for for at least the immediate future is is the right plan um, you know it 's kind of been an up and down season not only for him but the entire offense as a whole. Um, we saw what he was capable of doing when the offense was a little bit more open last year, um, so I do think that at least keeping him around for another year or two. Um, you know, trying to keep him a- a developing with Darnold and the other weapons like Herndon and Inunua. Um He is a deep threat, which, you know, every team needs. Um, it does seem like he's only a one-trick pony. They have tried to run a little bit uh, different things with him, and he hasn't been successful with that. Um, but I do think that having Robbie Anderson here um, and-, and developing forward with Darnold is key. Um, I know Delvin's going to argue that the Jets should have taken the pick, uh, but if I would go back to what Delvin usually says, since it seems like McKagan is going to be here, um, he doesn't trust McKagan to make picks anyways, so why would we get another pick anyways for him to use?
2: Shots fired right off the bat. That's Paulie's point. Delvin, what's your point?
3: I think that coming off of your parka lounge and the first thing you do is take shots at the king, that's very dangerous. That's a dangerous proposition (laughs) for you. It's a very dangerous proposition for you. But... I'm going to argue, yes, that they should have taken the pick, and here's why. You're right. I do not trust McCagnan I don't trust him with second-round picks. I don't trust him with third-round picks. I do trust him with fourth-round picks, though. You got Chris Herndon in the fourth round, who, again, looks like a playmaker going forward. And I think, for me, the bigger issue isn't even so much the pick. It's the fact that Robbie Anderson here now has remains still a guy that does one thing and he doesn't do that one thing particularly great. He led the league in in deep fast touchdowns last year with Tariq Hill and this year has fallen off the map and and for me, he's a guy that has constantly, he's pined for Pro pro Bowl votes, he's complained about not getting the ball and I know that the top tier receivers have a bit of a diva in them but Robbie Anderson is not a top tier receiver and I think ultimately he's a guy that the Jets aren't going to sign long term You take into account the legal problems that he had before. I think that I think that ultimately the Jets looked to move him, and I would have moved him to fourth four round pick.
2: Paulie, your rebuttal. Uh,
0: I agree he is a one-trick pony, but, he, but he's, a, he's an asset to the team that the Jets don't have. They don't have a deep threat. After that, they've got Herndon, who works, you know, the middle of the field, and Inunua, who, I mean, at least this year they've been throwing him short passes and allowing him to do everything after the catch. Um, so while this year, again, has been a down year, I think Robbie Anderson is an asset for this franchise at least, like I said, in the immediate future, moving forward with the development of Darnold. I mean, if they, if they sign him to a short-term deal and eventually want to move on from him, that's fine. Uh, but I think it's too early to give up on him, especially a guy who was, a, who was an undrafted free agent.
2: You've heard from Dalbin. You've heard from Pauly. What do you say, Sean, who gets this round? Man, this is
1: tough. I've never been a judge before. Um... I'm going to say, uh, you know, I'll be optimistic today and hopefully have some cohesiveness on offense and so say let's try to keep him and see if we can build something.
2: Paulie gets point number one, so he is on the board right off the bat at one nothing. Let's see if Dalbin can even things up with our second question. And since Dalbin brought up Christopher Herndon, I figured why not make him the subject of question number two, and that is this. Christopher Herndon has shown some flashes so far, as Dalbin alluded to, but is he going to be the tight end that they've been desperate for for years, filling that hole that they haven't had filled in forever? Or is he going to end up just being another flash in the pan, kind of like a Dustin Keller or somebody like that? Dalvin, we'll start with you this time.
3: Um, I think he's more Dustin Keller than a long-term answer at the position. I think that for me, so one of the things that we that we know about the about just the NFL in in general is it's cyclical, right? So you see running backs that are able to catch the ball, and that's in vogue now, right? So a guy like Leonard Fournette, who was just drafted recently, is no longer is no longer viable in this NFL because you have to take him off the field. It's the same thing with tight ends, right? Like you're seeing that for a while, what you saw was move tight ends, tight ends that could be used in the slot, tight ends that could be used out wide, and Christopher Herndon in a lot of ways is is a throwback to that kind of tight end, but now what we're seeing with, and especially with the with the highly touted tight end class coming in next year in the draft, is guys that are playing more with their hand in the dirt, and Christopher Herndon is a much better receiver than he is a blocker, and so for me, I, and this is also determining who whoever's going to be the OC uses in the right way, I think he's a guy that's used more as a Dustin Keller, and because of that, I think that limits his potential long term, so I do not think he's the answer at tight end, I think he's a piece but not the answer.
2: That's Dalvin's point Pauly, what's your point?
0: I've got to disagree with, with what we think the Jets are going to look for going in the future with a head coach. We, we do believe that it's going to be somebody who's going to take their offense finally into the year 2018-19. Um, Chris Herndon fits that new NFL tight end. Um, a guy that runs like a receiver but has a bigger body and has good hands. Um, I think Chris Herndon is going to be one of those, I'm not going to say top-level tight ends because you know there's only three or four in the league that right now are, are the guys that you look at and you're like, those are the, the elite tight ends. Um, but I do think he's the second-highest-rated um, rookie tight end after Mark Andrews from the Ravens, um, and he's getting better every week the more targets that he gets. Um, it's just so hard with the, as stagnant as this offense is, is to take a full, a full look at him and to see what he might be, uh, but the positive signs are there, and I think, like I said, he fits the new NFL tight end, um, and I think he's going to be a nice security blanket slash asset for Darnold um, going forward.
2: Dolbin, your rebuttal. Paul, he's mentioning
3: assets and I think we're talking about Bitcoin and it's driving me nuts. <laughs> nuts.
0: Where's
2: Jude? Where's Jude?
0: <laughs> he's arguing with people on Twitter at nine thirty in the morning. <laughs> and it and he's been arguing with them since like seven yeah. fifteen. Jesus.
3: Listen, I, I think I think the the point about him being a more modern end and, and tying it into trusting who the OC is going to be, I think that's insane because, again, the belief was that when McKagan went and got Jeremy Bates out of the mountains, right, and brought him down into, into the real world after him being in isolation for so long, that he was going to do the same. And so I think... For me, it's very hard for me to buy on anybody on this offense until I know who the heck is calling the plays. And Chris Herndon, even now, with a inconsistent play caller in Jeremy Bates, had a very inconsistent start to the season. He's now picked it up. And yeah, he is the second, he is the second highest rated tight end per PFF. But PFF also had Dewan Landry rated as the best safety in the NFL. So I will hold on to my opinion of Chris Herndon. I think that he can be an asset, but he won't be the answer at tight end.
2: There you go. Who gets the point on Christopher Herndon? Is it Dalbin to even things up or Paulie to go up 2 nothing? Sean, what do you say?
1: You know, it is tough with this offense to judge what's what with how bad it is, but uh, I can only bring so much optimism and I got to go with Dalbin on this one.
2: And we are tied at one. By the way, Dalbin, just to piggyback on your point about PFF, Leron Landry may not have deserved his rank as a safety for PFF, but... He is the eternal number one gun show ranking for PFF.
3: He is. No, and I think and I think, hands down, I think that's a title that he will hold forever. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I can't <laughs> imagine anybody unless Scott Steiner somehow makes his way to the NFL.
3: Big Papa Pump is your hookup. <laughs> Holla if you hear me.
2: <laughs> Holla if you hear Mike McCagnin or if you hear his draft record, which is Part of the subject of question and topic number three. So there's been a little bit of a debate lately about just how successful or unsuccessful Mike McCagan has been as general manager. And some people have pointed to the fact that none of his first rounders have been outright busts. Silly me. I thought that was the bare minimum you should expect from a general manager. But apparently that is the mark of an all-time great. I guess we should fit him for a Hall of Fame induction just based on that. But here's the question. Two of those first round picks that have been talked about are Darren Lee and Leonard Williams. Both guys were picked in different spots. Leonard Williams at number six and Darren Lee at number 20. But here's the question. Based on their level of play compared to their draft position, is it fair to consider them hits in the draft or would you say that they're less than that because they have or haven't lived up to the billing of their draft position? Pauly, we'll start with you this time.
0: Well, I think we've got to take this all with a grain of salt. Unfortunately, I know Delvin's going to disagree with my point here, um, and, and that's all fine and good. But I, I just, I know that the reports have come out, and that's all we can go on is that. Well, McCagnan has used his coaches in some of his draft picks, along with going with best player available. Um, when he took a player like Leonard Williams, we thought it was going to fit right in with the with the defensive players that we had here, um, including. Um, you know, when we had Richardson and Wilkerson, and then when those guys left, his production went down. Uh, with Darren Lee, he was supposed to fit into Bowles' system and be the perfect Dion Buchanan, air quotes, if you will. So a lot of times I think that the right picks were made, but I also think that the coaching staff has failed them and not put them in the best position to succeed. We've seen Darren Lee come along this year in year three, and I love it. Uh, but there's too many times that Leonard Williams has is not you know, as productive as we would like. Um, I know everybody, and the, the popular thing is to put blame on everybody, and McKagan needs to take some blame for the lack of depth on this team. Uh, but I think he has hit on his first-rounders. I just think the, the major issue here is that the, the coaching staff has failed to put um, the, proper, uh, the, the players in the proper spots to be as successful as they could be.
2: That's Paulie's point. Dalvin, what's your point? So I think Paulie's answer
0: is
3: another example of a media guy and yes, Pauly Primetime is a media guy covering for Mike McCagnan. I, I, I so I think for me, you look at you look at who else was on the board and who was taken after Darren Lee. And again, my aunt, Mrs. Lee, is going to hate me for this. She will probably send me a DM after afterwards. But you look at the guys that are that were taken after him; they have been more productive guys. Yeah, he's taken a step in year three, but that step has gone from him looking entirely clueless to looking half clueless. And then you look at a guy like Leo Williams. There's a lot of comparison out there to comparing him, you know. And for me, I, I look at his production through three and a half years, and it's very similar to Gerald McCoy, right, from the Bucks, who the Bucks took third overall. However, the big difference is that Gerald McCoy won. Missed a year because of a knee injury, and then in the middle of that fourth year, ended up with nine and a half sacks and became an All-Pro. Leo Williams isn't going to be an All-Pro. Leo Williams is a guy that now you have to question whether you even give a second contract to, or do you trade him for a second-round pick? And I think there's there's something to be said for taking a guy in the top six that he needs to be a difference maker. And Leo Williams is a guy that, unlike Sheldon Richardson, who had to be who had, who was made to play linebacker, Leo Williams has been playing his position from day one, and he has not become a he has not become a productive. I don't care about run stops. and in the passing league. I don't care about how many times he almost gets sacked because that's like, that's like saying, oh man, you know, Denzel Washington almost won the Oscar. I don't care about that. Show me the baby. I don't care about the labor. And Leo Williams, I, I think him and Lee in particular
0: have been misses.
2: Paulie, your rebuttal.
0: I, I just take it back to, to the main thing and I think that the coaching staff is the major issue. Again, we've seen it with multiple players here that have been under bowls. There's been guys who have not reached the potential. Um, we, I, Like I said, McCagnan is due some blame uh, but I think his first-round picks are actually where he's made his money. Um, everything else and the lack of depth through the draft and players he's had a cut with bad picks, that's the major issue. But his first-round picks are ones that he's been hits on. What I Do I wish Leonard Williams was a bit more productive? Absolutely. Uh, but like I said, his first-round picks have been hits.
2: We're tied at one, but who is going to take the lead? Sean, what do you think?
1: Uh, that is a tough question on uh, whether it's on the GM or the coaching staff or some of the lack of production, but... Uh, I'm sorry, Polly, trying to get me to take a pro in position. position's gonna to be tough, so I gotta
2: go with Dalbin on this one. Dalvin has taken Lee two to one. By the way, excellent reference to our friend, Mrs. Lee, who I like to say is the awesome aunt that I never got to have. So Dalbin, we all need to hang out with Mrs. Lee soon, maybe around the draft after she convinces Nick Bosa and his family to pull an Eli Manning and force any team that drafts him to trade him to the Jets. <laughs> We're all counting on that. We need her to step up. Mrs. Lee, be the hero that we want.
3: We should just we should just hire her to be the GM. Then Pauly will have a real reason to cover for
1: her.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Moving along to our final topic, which will determine whether or not we go to overtime or Dalbin wins in regulation. We like to play to our guest specialty every week, so... This week, our guest specialty is Memphis wrestling, so I thought this would be a fun one. If you could pick anybody who was a coach or a player for the Jets at any point in team history, transport them back to the heyday of Memphis wrestling and make them into a wrestling character, who do you think would be the best one to be a success in that format? We will start with you this time, Pauly.
0: So this was actually probably one of the easiest questions we've ever had on the show, uh, when it came for me to make a decision, uh, when I think of wrestling, especially Memphis wrestling, I think of characters and I think of people who are going to be able to tell me a story and bring me into the story. So it's absolutely, without a doubt, probably the most the closest thing the NFL has seen in a coach uh, to a wrestler would be Rex Ryan. Um, Rex Ryan can cut a promo on anyone, and he doesn't. He can be a manager. He could be a wrestler. He can even bring his brother, since they're twins. It's definitely Rex Ryan. He's going to bring the crowd in. He'd be a great face. He'd be a great heel when he needed to be. The story that he could tell, the promos that he could cut. Um, and, and I would love to see him run a stable just full of guys that just run rough shot all over the entire, the entire territory taking titles and, and just, you know, completely controlling the, the, the territory. Um, it would absolutely be Rex Ryan for me.
2: That's Paulie's point. Dalvin, what's your point? So for me,
0: and
3: I wanted somebody that I thought, you know what, that I said, who is going to be able to channel the energy of the late, great, hot stuff Eddie Gilbert? And I can only go with the one and the only Jamal Adams. I think that you're talking about, I can imagine him in Memphis, getting ready for his first title shot, screaming, your opinion doesn't bother me. It doesn't matter to me. I can imagine him screaming that and then just going off like a loose cannon. I can imagine him coming out with a crown, just walking around, just walking around with a crown and the title around his waist. I think for me, when I think of Memphis wrestling, I think, and it's, and it's interesting because there's such a, obviously wrestling, very similar to football, is cyclical and it, and it started out as one thing and now it's more than sports entertainment. But a lot of my favorite wrestlers are guys like Hot Stuff Eddie Gilbert, like The Rock, this charisma, this being able to just talk your way through anything and then delivering the SmackDown. And I think Jamal Adams is that guy. I think with Rex, man, I would, at Rex, he, we, I, I would worry about him bringing in his twin and then absolutely messing up the product and then revising history 20 years later like he was greater than what he really was. So I'm going
2: with Jamal Adams. Paul, your rebuttal. Man, I mean,
0: I love Jamal Adams, but there's nobody who's... No, oh, more- you don't! Yes, yeah, okay. There's nobody more charismatic than Rex Ryan. The The possibilities of things can do, Rex can do, whether it's in the ring as a manager or just, you know, take it over the show... It's absolutely without a doubt the biggest possible closest thing to a wrestling personality that the NFL has ever seen is Rex Ryan.
2: You've heard both Dalvin and Paulie, so Sean, it's up to you now. Do you go into overtime or has Dalvin won this in the regulation? Now
1: uh, we're really in my wheelhouse, and I gotta say, uh, Scott, you'd appreciate this. If they had brought in Rex Ryan in 1985 after Jimmy Hart left, they could have gotten another five years out of Lola Feudin with every heel that he brought into the territory. So I'm going to go with Paulie Ellis, but I think Rex Promo's skills just want to pop the territory.
2: Yeah absolutely Sean In fact Rex Ryan would have been my pick for sure If I was debating this point There's some other great ones too That you could talk about Bart Scott obviously could cut a great promo Mark Gastineau had the size and the look You could have put him into that Goldberg category Joe Namath cut a great promo I don't know how well his knees would have held up If he could have taken bumps for more than a year or two But some definite personalities in Jets history I still think that Rex Ryan though 100% is the guy that you could have transported back to Memphis And drawn money with Like you said Sean Put him in place of Jimmy Hart And he would have drawn some money Going up against Jerry Lawler So perfect answer by Paulie As we head into the overtime period Which means it's time for Sean To come up with a question So Sean what do you got? Alright
1: uh, let's let's just go to the big question Of whether we have a future or not uh, Will Darnold make a Pro Bowl In the next five years?
2: Man let's hope so <laughs> Paulie you go ahead and take this one
1: I'm, I'm going to say yes, uh, even though it may be
0: by default because so many players back out after a while. Uh, but I think that Darnold will. Um, listen, he just needs the, the correct coaching, uh, a better game plan. Um, he is. Everybody's worried about the turnovers this year. We know that's going to go down in year two with better coaching and a year under his belt. Uh, the injuries set him back. Uh, but I do believe that Darnold will make a Pro Bowl. To me, all pros are a lot more – uh, important, but it seems like uh, based on Twitter, everybody seems to care about the Pro Bowl. <laughs> don't know why, uh, but I do think with, and like I said, it may be by default. Um, hopefully it's not, because obviously if you play well, you end up in the Pro Bowl. Uh, but I do think within the next five years, Darnold will have at least one or two Pro Bowls uh, to show on his resume.
2: That's Paulie's point. Dolbin, what's your point?
3: Um, I agree with Paulie in the sense that all pro is more important, uh, and and people tend to gloss over that when they talk about you know, McAgnins in general, but I'm going to say no. I think that you're, you're talking about Sam Donald stepping into, he's playing quarterback in a conference that has Patrick Mahomes and Baker Mayfield, who will get all the votes going forward, I think, uh, barring injury. So you have them two, then you have a res, uh, re, uh, returning Andrew Luck, so that's three. Then you have so th- 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 so those would be the three that I think would make it pretty consistently over the next few years. You still have Philip Rivers, a probably get one as an alternate because he's just had a really really good year Um, and then that's before we even get to you know and Big Ben may get a you know one or two and that's before we get into the 2020 quarterbacks coming into the league like Tua who are very exciting who always garner a lot of votes I think Sam Darnold He's gonna. I think he Ed Paulie as he was listening, and he's like, you know, he just needs a better offensive line, and he's this. I fully expected him to pull out a scroll and just read off a bunch of things that Sam Darnold needs because there's a, it's a lot of things he needs to stop turning the ball over. He needs to stop trying to take the deep shot all the time and take what the defense gives him. I think that he's playing in a conference that, regardless of how well he does, unless he wins like multiple MVPs or whatever, he's always going to be in the in the in the shadow of guys like Andrew Luck, like Baker Mayfield, like Patrick Mahomes. So I don't think he
2: makes
0: a Pro Bowl in the next five years.
2: Pauly, your rebuttal.
0: So back to my point. I mean, we're already putting Tua in the Pro Bowl. Did you not watch the SEC Championship yesterday? Oh, my goodness. All right, so back to my point. Um, Like I said, with all the guys you named, yes, they probably are going to make Pro Bowls. But as I stated, you know, a lot of times guys back out because they don't want to play in the game. So with Andrew Luck, with Patrick Mahomes, those guys might be playing, you know, for the game in February. So I think that that's because of the reason that guys will back out, and I do think that, that he will be in the top tier of of AFC quarterbacks he might be 6 or 7 range and he might sneak in there so i do believe that he will end up in a pro bowl within the next 5 years
3: you you're you're saying that i put Tua in the pro bowl like you don't put michigan in the championship every year
0: do <laughs> i never i never do that that is the Falsest claim
3: you've ever erroneous made. erroneous on all accounts. Dude,
0: dude, I know that our season every year comes down to the final game, and I know that ninety nine percent of the time we're not winning that game. So you no are more you know.
3: are you are more fair than than other than other Michigan fans not not whose names don't rhyme with Ryan Zimmerman. <laughs>
0: yeah, listen, I our national championship game technically is the game before the big the Big Ten championships. and right, they never right. fucking win it. So. <laughs>
2: When you said fair, it just made me think of Mike Francesa. Be fair, folks. Okay, just be fair. That's all I'm asking for. A little fairness, okay? Speaking of fairness, that's what we want from our judge. So, Sean, what do you say? We were tied at two. This is the overtime. Who gets the win this week? That's what
1: hurts, and my heart wants to go with Polly, but I think my head's got to go with uh, Dolphin. I just, I hope I'm wrong, but I just, I don't see it.
2: Wow, not only are you super Woo! pessimistic, but you just gave Dolbin the floor for the next 30 seconds. I think Paulie right now is cutting a promo on his wife, the one that he was saving up to cut when he won this because he was counting his chickens before they hatched. And so now his poor wife is going to have to listen to him rant for 30 seconds. But if you're <laughs> listening to this, you're going to hear Dolbin rant for 30 seconds. So Dolbin, go ahead, sir.
3: And for the record, I love Jenna. Jenna's fantastic. So if she ever wants to come on and cut a promo for 30 seconds, I think she'd kill it. So, so please give that message to Jenna for me, man. Uh, no, it feels another win. Uh, you know, these are, you know, these are common. It's like breathing at this point. You know, victory is like breathing. And to quote my main man, Sean, Sean McVay, we don't chase failure. We, we, What is it? We don't fear failure. We chase success. Um, but, yeah, no, it's good to get another win under my belt. Paulie, just, I mean, just hand me the win at the beginning next time.
2: Dalvin, congratulations on the win. Sean, thank you so much for stepping in as the guest judge this week. Really appreciate it. For those that don't know where to find you or the great podcasts that you're a part of, why don't you go ahead and let them know?
1: Yeah, the main site is podavenue.com. That's where we got the Jerry Lawler podcast. And then we're at uh, podavenue.com slash Memphis for the Jerry Jarrett one. Podavenue.com slash Hales for the Randy Hales one.
2: Thank you so much, Sean. And if you aren't listening to that, you really should right now. Go ahead and subscribe. And keep listening to us. Thank you for listening this week to What's Your Point?
1: I have exercised the demons. This house It's clear.